Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. This weekend, uh, we're doing what I call an off-topic message, but really, it is kind of attached to where we were, uh, and I'll... I'll just completely be transparent with you. I don't really enjoy messages like this, and the Lord knows it. Every time he gives me a message like this, I feel like Dr. Phil. And I I gripe about it, and I complain about it, and then I show up on Saturday night, and I preach it just like I feel the Lord give it to me. Uh, And, of course, multiple people. I mean, God spoke so clearly to some people last night. And I I guess at some point I've just got to learn uh, not every message is going to be the same. And really, as I started to think about this message, the, the series we just came out of is titled Follow Me. And I really didn't put two and two together, but if you think about what follow me means, it's Jesus saying to us, okay, you are here, and I want you to follow me over there. You're here, and I want you to follow me over there. And the title of this message really fits into where we just were in the Follow Me series because the title is, It's Time to Leave. It's Time to Leave. And if you've got a Bible, I want you to turn to two different spots. Deuteronomy chapter 1, you can open up there, and then put a marker in Genesis chapter 11. It's Time to Leave. Now, I said last night, uh, don't take this title too literally, okay? I, I said, you know, there may be somebody in this room who's going through some marital difficulty And on the way to service, they were in an argument with their spouse, and the wife says to the husband, you know what I need? I just need God to speak to me through the message today. (laughs) And, And, you know, I just need him to speak to me through the title, and I'll know it's God if he speaks to me through the title. And then you come to service, and the pastor says, the title of this message is, it's time to leave. Don't you dare elbow your husband and say, I knew it. This is not what we're talking about. Okay, here's the burden I felt like the Lord gave me for this message. When when we talk about it's time to leave, really this is for people who feel stuck. Stuck where they are. And there's two real big things. Now I know this message applies to other things, but the burden I felt the Lord give me for this message was people who feel stuck in a season that they call undesirable or people who feel stuck in a habit they can't seem to shake. So as we talk about how, how do we get unstuck, how if God's calling us, if, if he's prophetically saying this is a time and this message is for our church and for me just as much as it is for you personally, if God is saying it's time to leave here and go there, how if we feel stuck do we get unstuck? Well, in this message, I'm going to share several things with you that you've got to understand if you are going to go from here to there. And here's the first one. Point number one, you need to understand the difference between egg timers and stopwatches. How many of you thought we'd be talking about egg timers and stopwatches when you came to church this morning? If you're going to go from here to there, you first have to understand the difference between an egg timer and a stopwatch. What's the difference? One counts up, the other counts down, right? Ladies, think about this. 
If you're, or any chef, there may be a few chefs in the room on the male side as well. Anybody that cooks or bakes, do you use a stopwatch to make a souffle or an egg timer? You use an egg timer because an egg timer, you set how long the recipe says. If it says 35 minutes, you set the egg timer to 35 minutes. But a stopwatch counts up to 35 minutes. And you and I both know that if you use the stopwatch to make your souffle, you'd come in at 57 minutes and that thing would be a burnt up, crispy stick. So you use an egg timer and it dings when the time is up. One counts up, one counts down. Now, why is this important to understand if we're talking about going from here to there? Let me shoot right to the point. Most people think God uses an egg timer, not a stopwatch. When we are in seasons that feel undesirable, many of us see those seasons as punishment from God. And we actually believe, without really even understanding, we believe this, but we hold this bad theological assumption that God arbitrarily assigns seasons of time to every person that are frustrating. So he, he says things like this. Oh, Preston? You are a messed up boy. 40 years. You're going to be in this wilderness for 40 years. You, you, sir, you, you're doing well. 12 years. You, you, ma'am, four months for you because you're like Mother Teresa. And you, you, 66 years because you, my friend, are a little Beelzebub. God just randomly assigns arbitrary numbers to difficult seasons. That is not scriptural at all, and I can prove it to you. When we go through challenging seasons, I promise you, God is using a stopwatch. And what is a stopwatch used for? A stopwatch is used to measure how fast something can be done. An egg timer is used to measure the time it takes for something that must be done. It's two totally different devices of measurement. God's using a stopwatch. In other words, you get into a difficult season and many of us just plop down miserably, put our heads down and just say, I don't know when this is gonna be over. I don't know when God has assigned my time to be up. But there's nothing I can do to get out of this stuck season I'm in. So I'll just wait on God. And it sounds so spiritual. Except God is standing over you with a stopwatch going, hey, 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 let's wrap this thing up. You don't have to sit here for 40 years. Let's get up. Let's be going. I can show you this is how he operates in Scripture. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. This is a retelling of the Israelites' time in the wilderness. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 6. When we were at Mount Sinai, the Lord our God said to us, You have stayed at this mountain long enough. It's time to break camp and move on. Go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighboring regions, the Jordan Valley, the hill country, the western foothills, the Negev, and the coastal plain. Go to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon and all the way to the great Euphrates River. Look, I am giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. Okay. God says to the Israelites, you've been in this wilderness for long enough. Okay. Here's my question. 
How long did they spend in the wilderness? Anybody know? How many years? 40 years, right? Okay. But that question is kind of a trick question. Because when God says this, when he says, okay, you've been wandering in this wilderness for long enough. Now it's time for this season to be done, and I want you to go into the land of the promise, enter it, and occupy it. We just assume when we read Deuteronomy 1 that God says that at the end of 40 years. But if you read it and study it, here's what you find. God says this after two years, not 40. God rescues the Israelites out of Egypt, sends them through the wilderness. And many of us see wilderness seasons as punishment from God. The wilderness was not a punishment to the Israelites. It was a reward. It was an out of Egypt. Now, they may not have always seen it as such, but the wilderness was a far better place to be than in slavery in Egypt. And after two years, God says, that's it. This season is over. I want you to go in and enter and occupy the land of the promise. Two years, not 40. Well, then the big question is, why did they stay 40 years? Let me show you. Numbers chapter 14, verse 34. Because your men explored the land for 40 days. Okay, hit, hit the pause button there. Remember what happens. God says, okay, this season is over. Go in and occupy the land of the promise. After two years, and the people say, well, let's, let's have some spies go check it out. Because we've heard some things about that land. There's some really big giants in that land. Let, let's send some spies just to make sure that we can actually take the land. Numbers 14 says, Because your men explored the land for 40 days, you must wander in the wilderness for 40 years. A year for each day, suffering the consequences of your sins. The punishment for the Israelites was not wandering in the wilderness. The punishment ended up being the 40 years. After two, God says, that's it. The season is over. You can move on. And they say, well, before we go from here to there, let's go check out there to make sure we can even survive there. And God says, that's not what I told you to do. I told you to trust me, to leave here and go there. And you tiptoed with some spies into the land to see if you were strong enough to occupy the territory. And because you didn't trust me, now you're going to be punished. And now you've got to stay in this wilderness for 40 years. Here's what you have to understand. If you're here today and you feel stuck in a season that you're calling undesirable, let me just tell you right now, it's very possible that God has already said it's time to leave. But for one reason or another, maybe it's fear of what going there might bring. That's what it was for the Israelites. Maybe you are stuck somewhere God intended you to leave a long time ago. The Israelites don't move forward in faith. They step back. And here's what you have to understand about the wilderness. The wilderness, difficult, challenging seasons are a test God desires all of us turn in early. He did not start out the wandering in the wilderness by saying, okay, this is going to last 40 years. 
He was done doing what he wanted to do in them in two. They made it last 40. So here's the question. If you feel stuck, I've got a question for you. Why have you been there so long? Is it possible God is not the reason? Is it possible you are? If God wants you to turn this test in early, think about this. Go back to when you were in high school. Did you ever have a teacher when you were taking a test? Now, this never happened for me. But if the test, the the class was 50 minutes and they hand out a, a test with 100 questions. And how many of you ever saw the valedictorian in your class finish that test in like 18 minutes? And I was still on question 19. And the valedictorian goes to the teacher, turns in the test and says, I'm finished. With more than 30 minutes to go, I'm finished. Did you ever see the teacher say, ah, I'm sorry, no, ah, I'm sorry. We are unable to accept your test at this time. The allotted time for this test is 50 minutes and we cannot receive your test until the time is up. No, what happened? The teacher would say, you can turn it in, you may leave. Well, of course, then what did I do? I just wrote down the rest of the questions and said, I'm out of here. Just like with the teacher in high school that says, whenever you're done with the test, turn it in. God is the same way. So if you feel stuck in some place you don't want to be, you need to hear what God's saying to you this morning. You don't have to keep staying here. It's time to leave here and go there. Turn in your test early. It's not so hard. But I think one of the big reasons that many of us think when we get stuck in a challenging season that God just wants us to stay there for a really long time, I think it goes back to when we were children. I want you to think about this. Think about a time in your childhood when you were punished. And one of your parents sent you to your room and made the following statement. Go to your room and you stay there until I tell you you can come out. Anybody ever hear that before? You can tell by the tone of my voice. I heard it a few times. (laughs) And so we think that when we get into an undesirable season that God is punishing us, he has sent us to our room and we're not allowed to come out until God says, listen to me closely if that's you. You can leave. You can leave. Even if like the Israelites, you did something wrong that is keeping you stuck here. One of the fastest ways to change the seasons in your life is to repent and go back and do the last thing God told you to do. You have to understand the difference between God holding a stopwatch and God holding an egg timer. He's not just saying, oh, I give this person 20 years, I give this person 12 months. No, there are some things God wants to accomplish in difficult seasons, but he's using a stopwatch to time the season. You can end it early. That brings us to the second point. You need to understand the difference between stopping and stuck. You need to understand the difference between stopping and stuck. Has anyone ever felt stuck before? Just put your hand up. You feel stuck. I just feel stuck in a rut. I feel like I just can't move forward. What's the difference between stopping and stuck? Let me tell you, there is no difference. They're the same thing. 
Stopping and stuck is the same thing. Stuck is what we call it when we have stopped, but we want to blame it on somebody else. I tricked all of you by having you raise your hand when you said you feel stuck. Let me say it again. Stuck is what we call it when we have stopped, either stopped doing something God asked us to do or stopped somewhere God did not intend us to stop. Stuck is what we call it when we have stopped but want to blame it on somebody else. Look in Acts chapter 7, verse 2. It says, Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, Leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land that I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. Hold on just a second. God just told him, Leave your native land. He was in Ur at the time. Leave your native land. Go to the land I show you. But verse 4 says, Abraham left Ur, but instead of going, he stopped in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live, speaking of Canaan. Now, why, if God says to Abraham, hey, I want you to leave Ur, and I want you to go to the land of the promise, the land I will show you. How does Abraham leave Ur and stop at Haran on the way to Canaan? Well, the Bible tells us exactly why. Genesis chapter 11, if you put a marker there, flip over to it. Genesis 11, verse 31. One day, Terah took his son Abram, who was obviously later named Abraham, his daughter-in-law Sarai, who'd become Sarah, and his grandson Lot, and moved away from Ur of the Chaldeans. He was headed for the land of Canaan, but they stopped at Haran, and watch this next word, and settled there. Terah lived for 205 years and died while still in Haran. Let me tell you something about being stuck. Stuck is just stopping. That's all it is. Stuck is when we stop short of anywhere God is leading us to go. God says to Abraham, I want you to leave Ur and I want you to go to the land I show you, which was Canaan. Abraham says, great. Terah, his father and family was with him. They leave Ur, headed towards Canaan, the Bible says, and they stop in Haran. Why is that so important to know? Here's one of the reasons I, I tell you it's so valuable to study scripture. Don't just read it, but study it. And it doesn't take a ton of effort. There's some great resources out there. If you just study for a couple of minutes, you'll find that when God says to Abraham to leave Ur and go to Canaan, and then it says that Terah stops in Haran along the way, here's what you have to know. Before Terah was in Ur, want to guess where he was? Haran. God says to Abraham, I'm leading you to the land of the promise. And Abraham's dad jumps into the middle of it and says, sure, let's go to the land of the promise. They leave Ur, and instead of making it all the way, Terah plops down in Haran, the land where he was most comfortable. He had already been there. He knew all the streets there. He didn't know anything about the promised land. And that's why the Bible says, 
Haran didn't just, uh, that Terah didn't just stop in Haran. He stopped and settled there. If you feel stuck, let me ask you a question. Is it possible that you've made a decision to settle somewhere short of where God is leading you to go? Let me answer the question for you. Yes. Yes, it is. And let me tell you why. Because leaving here and going there is expensive. It's a little scary. It's unknown. You see, Tara stops in Heron because he knew it well. And what happens when we leave a, a, a difficult season and we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit to go where God is leading us, we endure even more challenges and more difficulties. What happens? We are tempted to go back where we are most comfortable. And when we feel stuck, we're not really stuck. It's just that we've stopped. When our daughter Riley was young, I remember one day very, very clearly and vividly, Holly was in the backyard doing some gardening stuff, and I was in the back bedroom, and all of a sudden, I hear this blood-curdling scream. I mean, the kind of scream that you immediately know something is wrong. Riley is screaming. She's probably four, maybe five years old. She is screaming at the top of her lungs. Daddy, help me. I'm stuck. Hurry. So I run in there. It sounds like she's dying. I mean, literally, the sound of her voice is, I'm about to die. So I run in there. I run into the kitchen where I hear the screaming coming from. And as I walk in through the door, I see Riley, who has put her arm down in between the oven and the handle on the oven that sticks out about that far. She sticks her arm down there, and she is thrashing around. Well, if you know anything about me, you know when the people I love aren't doing well, I'm not doing well. So I start freaking out. Usually I'm as cool as a cucumber. I mean, we, we go through some tough stuff here at this church. I'm fine. But if one of my loved ones is freaking out, I've learned this about myself. I'm going to freak out probably too. So I probably sound worse than Riley. I, I like to think I was dignified in that moment, but I assure you I was not. I remember standing there going, oh my goodness, what do, what do we do? What are we going to do? Holly hears the screaming. She runs in from the backyard, and my hero of a wife walks up to my little girl, grabs her arm, and goes, While I'm standing there going, she's going to die. <laughs> Riley's standing there going, I'm going to die. Holly runs up and just goes. And Riley and I hold each other and just say to each other, that was so close. <laughs> we almost lost you. I was freaking out. Riley was freaking out. That's why I was freaking out. And it blurred my vision, and I wasn't quite sure what to do. Holly walks in, cool as a cucumber, and just says, hey, you're not stuck. 
Listen, here's what I've learned about me and probably about you, no matter how well I know you. 100% of the time, when I get stuck, it's simply because I have stopped in the wrong place and I've chosen to do the wrong thing. Riley wasn't stuck. She just made a bad decision. I don't know why she made it. A bad decision to stop in front of the oven and to stick her arm down in there and see what she could do. She stopped in the wrong place and did the wrong thing. She should have just kept going to the pantry and gotten a snack. She got inquisitive. She stopped along the way and did the wrong thing. You're not stuck. If you came in and you've been saying to the Lord, I just feel stuck. Listen, change your vocabulary. Because when you say, I feel stuck, here's what you're actually saying. I feel stuck here and there's nothing I can do about it. So you just sit there and wait for God to do something when God is standing there waiting for you to do something. You're not stuck. You've just stopped. And if you would wake up to that realization, you could turn this test, this difficult season in a whole lot earlier than you thought. And that leads us to the third thing. We have to understand if we're going to go from here to there. You need to understand the difference between leaving and moving. You need to understand the difference between leaving and moving. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. I will, I, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. God says to Abraham, you need to leave. I'm not telling you exactly where you're going, but I'm leading you, so just know you'll get there. But you need to leave. You need to leave here. I've accomplished everything I wanted to accomplish in you and through you here. That means it's time to go there. What is the difference between leaving here and moving on from here? There's a very subtle difference between leaving and moving on. One of them involves never looking back. Think about this. When you leave somewhere, I mean really leave, there's no going back. But when you decide to move on, how often do we make our way back? Well, let's just think practically. At the beginning of every year, typically many of us set what are called New Year's resolutions. I would submit to you that many of us see those New Year's resolutions as attempts rather than decisions. In other words, we're not leaving something old, a bad habit, a bad way of doing things. We're just moving on, hoping to find greener grass. But if we don't find greener grass, what do we do? Three weeks after starting our New Year's resolution, we move right back to the way things used to be. Because we moved, we didn't leave. When you leave, you don't look back. When you move on, you frequently look back. Genesis chapter 19, verse 15. At dawn the next morning, the angels became insistent. Hurry, they said to Lot. Take your wife and your two daughters who are here. Get out of here right now. 
or you will be swept away in the destruction of the city. When Lot still hesitated, the angel seized his hand and the hands of his wife and two daughters and rushed them to safety outside the city, for the Lord was merciful. When they were safely out of the city, one of the angels ordered, run for your lives and don't look back or even stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the mountains or you will be swept away. And look in verse 26. But Lot's wife looked back as she was following behind him and she turned into a pillar of salt. If you feel stuck in a habit you can't shake, the worst thing you can do when God says, you know what, it's time to leave that anger. It's not good that you come home every day of your life angry at everybody in your house. It's not good. We're done. It's time to leave here. It's time to leave anger. And it's time to go there. The worst thing you can do if God is calling you to leave a habit you can't shake is to move on but keep looking back. Because the more you look back, the more tempted you will be to go back. That's why God says to Lot and his wife, don't even look back. Your flesh is going to be tempted when things get difficult here to look back. And if you will allow yourself to look back, you are raising the odds that you will go back. Don't look back. You might be here today and you say, we are having severe marital issues. And I, I really... I really came to church today wanting to hear a word from the Lord and you say it's time to leave. And I'm wondering if God might be saying to me, it's time to leave my spouse. Listen, there are only a couple of scriptural reasons for divorce. Outside of those things, I assure you, God's not saying I want you to leave your marriage. So don't take that as a literal word from the Lord. It's time for me to leave my spouse. No, no, that's not what God's saying. You know what God is probably saying? It's not time to leave your marriage. It's time to leave your selfishness. It's time to leave here. No marriage works with selfishness. Marriage only works with selflessness. We have to leave here and go there. But you know what? And all of us have learned this. Leaving what we know is always hard. There is always harder than over here. But that's where God's calling us in this season. He's calling our church to this. We've been here for a while. And it's been incredible what God has done here. But listen, I don't want to stay here any longer than God wants us to be here. And if God is calling us to a new place, I want to go first. I don't want to get so comfortable in the land of Haran, the land I know, the land where I can operate with my eyes closed. You're really good in Heron. And you may be stuck because you know leaving Heron is going to cost you some things in Canaan that you're going to have to fight some fights you'll never have to fight in the comfort of Heron. But God is saying it's time to leave here and you can do it. You're not a victim. You don't need to sit down and say, well, I'm just here for however long God wants me to be here. Turn the test in early. When the Lord gave me the burden for this message, I told you I got really frustrated. And I said to the Lord, in the last six or seven weeks, God, I've preached on the desert, 
I've preached on Gethsemane. I, I don't want to preach a third. Out, it's too much. The math is too much for me, God. Let me move on to this series on grace, and that's where we're going next. And I wanted to just start it this weekend. And I felt the Lord ask, why do you get so frustrated when I give you a message like this? And I said, Lord, I like it when you give me a message where it seems like you pull out a scroll and you just write a ton of revelatory stuff on it. And you just pass it to the people. Those are my favorite messages. And I get frustrated when I feel like what you're handing me is a post-it note. And I'll never, ever forget this because the Lord cleared something up for me this week. He said, but Preston, what if I want to hand some people this post-it note and I want you to put it on their bathroom mirror so that they look at this post-it note for a really long time? Son, I need them to know it's time to leave. The season is changing. It's time to get up and it's time to be on the go. It's time to leave. And son, I'm talking to you more than anybody else in the room. You can't stay here any longer. Last night when I said that, three different people out in the lobby said, are you leaving Scottsdale? I said, no. <laughs> the Lord told me I'm going to die here, of course. And that's going to be a long way away, okay? But he is saying, you've been in this season long enough. I need you to take a step out of what you know. It's time to leave here, and it's time to go there. And my first response was a little bit of disappointment. And I said, Lord, when you say that to me, here's my first thought, that I'm in the wrong place. And I hate the feeling like I'm in the wrong place. And God's just so gracious when we're wrong. And he just said, son, this message is not about being in the wrong place. It's about me leading my people to a better place. It's time to leave. And if you've been stuck here for a really long time, I believe the God of the universe wanted to grab you by the ears this weekend, look you in the eyes and say, turn it in now. Turn this test in now. You are free to leave. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.